Hey, I downloaded this app called The Perfect Marriage, and this is the one we have to do challenges together. Today's challenge is try a trust exercise. Are you ready? Do you trust me or not? I'm falling! Oh, wait, hang on one second. Hello? No! So when do I let go? Not yet, not yet! Wait, right. what? Left! Left! Falling! Okay. Oh, no, Back. Matt! Okay, the apple is what I'm aiming for, right? Yes, but... Okay, I'm going! No, 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 no! It doesn't have to be this hard. Hey, welcome to the second week of the marriage challenge, man. This is exciting. Hey, I, I just want to say to you, man, I, I believe what we're doing together, the conversations that we're having, have the potential to drastically move your relationships forward. And so I just want to say again, I promise you we're going to get to a moment. There's going to be a challenge. You're going to go, man, I hate that challenge. That's the one I'm going to bypass. And I'm just going to suggest to you that the one that bothers you the most is probably the one you need to do, okay? And so I'm just going to ask you again, be in the challenge, do the challenge, see what God could do with the challenge, and so do everything that we're asking you to do, and let's see what happens uh, 60 days from now. And it's exciting and just thrilled that you're here, that you're part of that. Hey, I uh, just want to say real quickly, uh, there's an opportunity that uh, you may or may not be aware of. We're in the midst of building some buildings, and a part of how we're doing the funding and building the buildings is there's a bond offering. Here's why I think that's a really cool opportunity. Most of us in this room have something going on with retirement. And chances are that in your retirement portfolio, there's a mixture. Uh, there's some high interest, high risk kind of stuff going on. And then you've got some stuff to keep it stable that's uh, down at the bottom, low risk, but probably has very low yield. As we're doing bonds, the opportunity that you and I have is to move some of those low interest investment that we have uh, move them into bonds. Well, the good part about that is you're going to now suddenly take your retirement to a whole new place because you're going to be getting much higher interest on that. And the church is then going to be able to borrow that money at a better than market rate for the finance of the building. Our payments stay down. So it's just an absolute win-win all the way across. So if you looked in your weekly this week, you saw there's an informational card that just tells you about an informational meeting. And I just want to encourage you to pray about that Think about that. Call whoever you're doing your investment with and say, hey, do I have some low interest stuff? And then go to the informational meeting. No one is going to hard sell you. Nobody's going to twist you. It literally is an informational meeting. But you may just find out that, hey, I can get a much better return. My retirement's going to grow faster and the church is going to get blessed off. The, you know, just a good moment for all of us, okay? So think about that. Pray about it. Encourage you to go and attend. All right. We're in the second uh, week of the series. Uh, I actually ran across a uh, not scientific survey that actually said uh, that men are happier than women. That is annoying, isn't it? And, uh, but here's what they also came back and said. They came back and said that men are happier than women because our lives are easier than women's lives. And so here's some of the things they stated, okay? So here, here we go. Men are happier than women because their lives are easier than women's lives because, you ready? Wedding plans magically take care of themselves if you're a man. <laughs> Wrinkles actually add character if you're a man. Uh, if you're a man, a five-day vacation only requires one suitcase and one change of underwear. <laughs> if you're a man, if you're a man, the entire world is your urinal. If you're a man... If someone forgets to invite you to something, they can still be your friends, if you're a man. 
And maybe most importantly at all, if you're a guy, your hairstyle can last for a decade or more. <laughs> it's just easier to be a guy. Hey, if you were here last week, uh, you know that we had a conversation that went something like this. Most of us in the room, we've been to one of these before. We've been to a time where someone was talking about marriage and how to make our relationships better. And chances are it was good information that, that we left there and we started putting some of it into play. And, and our relationships actually did move forward and things were going better for a period of time. But inevitably, we ended up back in the rut. And we said, why is that and how does that happen? And the conversation we had last week was to say, because... If you and I simply adopt good practices, if we just simply be, uh, get to better behaviors, but don't go back and fix that which is fundamentally broken in our relationships, then inevitably we're going to revert back. And so we went back to the Garden of Eden, and we just said, hey, God, how did you create this? How were men and women supposed to function uh, with each other? And here's what we discovered in that moment, that in the garden, when Eve reaches out and takes that fruit, and we don't know what that fruit was, but she eats of it herself, and then she offers some to her husband, that in that moment of rebellion in their lives, that something deep and profound broke inside of them relationally. That that unraveling not only affected their relationship with God, so deeply, so profoundly that it was the reason that ultimately you and I were going to need a Savior in our lives. And guys, let me, let me just push this nugget in just for you to think about and process maybe a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Because some of us in the room, uh, you're still on the front side of Jesus. You're just trying to figure out if God would even make sense in your life, and you haven't made that decision yet. And I get it. Some of us in this room, you're actually Christians, but your Christian walk has been one of absolute wrestling and struggle. You've dug your heels in at every moment with God. And, and here's just what I want to offer out there for you to consider and think about. If you're struggling to have a relationship with God, someone who on every occasion has done nothing but your best, who has never made a mistake with you relationally, who on every moment has sought your good above his own, and you're struggling to have a relationship with him, then tell me how you plan to have relationship with humans who are going to make mistakes, who are going to do stupid, selfish things. And I just want to suggest to you that somewhere on this journey, somewhere in the next few weeks, you might want to land that relationship with God in a healthy place because it will affect and help you in every other relationship. Okay? So just a thought. So we said, hey, that part got broken. But more specifically, and maybe more importantly for the conversation we're having, we said that something was ripped in that relationship between man and woman. Something was just absolutely torn in that moment. And, the, and fundamentally what happened was that men and women became competitive in their relationship one with another. And we talked about going back and healing that and restoring that in our lives. Today we're going to go a different direction. But today, I just, I'm going to toss something out that I think when you first hear it, you're going to go, man, that, that's just, I don't even know if I can swallow that. that. That is such a radical rethinking of marriage. I, I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I want to hear that or not. But I, I just want you to go along on the journey and then see if maybe uh, it lands at a place that makes sense. So here's what I want to suggest, ask. Is it possible? Is it possible that when God gave us marriage, he had no interest in making us happy. 
Is it possible that marriage was never intended to be about making you happy? Now, and some of you are going, wait, wait, wait a minute. I mean, if you're taking that away, I'm trying to figure out why I've been with this guy so long. I, I mean, wow, I've got major investment in fixing him. And if it's never going to land, you know, some of us in the room and you're going, whoa, 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 I, man, I've stuck with my wife a long time. I put up with a ton. And if you're telling me that happiness isn't where this thing gets, I'm not sure how invested I am. And, and I get it. I get it. But what if? What if the purpose of marriage was never intended to be about making you happy? And a matter of fact, that if you get into a relationship that is focused on happiness, it actually dooms the relationship. It sets the seeds for its own self-destruction. Let me see if I can get us there. Most of us have been at a wedding. We've been in that moment where there was a bride and there was a groom and there was a preacher standing in between them. And we've all heard as they stood up there and they made promises. Remember that? And she stood up there and she said, look, I'm just going to be this amazing wife and I'm going to love you and I'm going to respect you and honor you. I'm going to be the wife that you always dreamed of. And then he made promises. He said, look, I'm, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the provider. I'm going to be the protector for you. I'm going to be the guy who loves you the way that no other guy in this world can love you. And in that moment, they made promises. Now, here's what you got to catch. As they made those promises, they were unconditional. In other words, they said, look, I'm coming to this moment, I'm making you promises, but I'm not asking for anything, I'm just making this promise. When somebody makes a promise without condition, it's considered a covenant. That's what a covenant says, look, I'm just going to do this, I'm pledging myself to do it, it's not based on your performance. Here's the problem. Almost none of us actually meant it. That when we came to this moment, when she was standing here and she was saying to him, hey, I'm going to be the wife you always wanted, and I'm going, to, I'm going to respect you, and I'm going to honor you, there was a huge asterisk that said, as long as you make me happy, then I'll be happy to do that for you. But my thought in this is, I've looked and looked and looked, and I found a guy who maybe has the potential. And so I'm now willing to enter into this thing, but asterisk, as long as you do what you need to do, then I'll do what I'm supposed to do. And what we didn't understand in that moment, guys, is she had a bucket load of expectations for you that she never said out loud. And she's never going to say out loud. Because if you really loved her, you'd figure it out. <laughs> so good luck with that. Okay, so, so I, I, I've got a couple of her expectations here. <laughs> you didn't know there were pockets in wedding gowns, did you? All right, all right. So, so here, guys, here's some of the things she was saying. This is the asterisk, too. I'm going to be a great wife. She says, as long as, as long as, when you come home at night, the first thing you do is you turn through the door is you find me and tell me how beautiful I look tonight. We will then go hand in hand over to the couch where we will sit for an hour and a half and talk about how we feel about the day. <laughs> the women are going, yeah, yeah. As long as you provide for me financially so that I don't have to live in fear and I don't have to live in the tension of it so that we can at least and always be comfortable. And then, here's what I'm thinking, time. Time is a big deal. 
So I'm thinking like eight to one ratio. So you can spend one hour with your friends as long as you spend eight hours with me. And then, and then we're good. And then, guys, I'm just telling you, on every woman's list, you ready? Shoes. <laughs> Shoes. Which also then impacts the closet and a whole bunch of other, okay? But here's, here's what I'm going to say, guys. She came with a list of expectations. And the reality was, the asterisk of the moment was, as long as you do whatever it is that I've been dreaming of since I was a little girl, as long as you fulfill that and, ready, make me happy, then I'm pretty good with the idea of making you happy. He had a list. He had an asterisk as he made his promises. You ready for what was on his list? Have sex twice a day. Matter of fact, you ready for this? That's the only thing on his list. That was it. That was the list. That's, that's the entire list for him. He's going, hey, take care of me, I'll take care of you. Now, there, there are some other things on the list, but they're in such small print, it's not worth mentioning. But I, 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 you, you get what's happening in the moment. That what we're doing in that moment is we're saying, hey, look, 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 look. This is going to be a happiness-based relationship. And as long as you fulfill my expectations, as long as you make me happy, then I'm willing to make you happy. I mean, I'm okay with that. Guys, 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 let me ask a question. Whose happiness wins? Because you get that as you bring a man and a woman together, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be places where it doesn't line up, the pieces don't fit. So in that moment, whose happiness wins? And you know what we thought in our hearts? That's easy. Mine. Mine wins, right? I mean, when there's a conflict, when we don't, my happiness wins. Because, because you're ready for this? When you and I come to a marriage relationship and the focus is on happiness, it is deeply, deeply connected to my brokenness and is deeply and profoundly selfish. Because what I'm saying in this moment is, hey, uh, here's, here's the thing. I, I'm so glad that I found you because now you can help me be happy. And the truth is, this has been a lot of work keeping me happy, so I'm glad there's someone to help with it. See, what he said in that moment is he said, hey, no, I'm, I'm okay, and I'm okay, I'm willing to give up something I give, as long as you perform the way I need you to perform, as long as you make me happy, then I'm willing to consider being what you need me to be in return. And you get that in a happiness-based relationship, the focus is always me. If you're asking your spouse to be the one who provides your happiness, aren't you in essence asking them to do something for you that only God can do? And if you put them in that position, aren't they doomed to failure? Is there any possible way that they could do for you what only God can do for you? And happiness-based marriage is absolutely broken. Here's the other part. Happiness-based marriage always turns contractual. 
okay? It always turns to as long as you do what you need to do, as long as you fulfill the expectations, then I'm willing to fulfill yours. So we do this with contracts all the time, right? You hire somebody to come build a wall around your pool equipment in your backyard, and you go, hey, it's, you know, it's got to be eight feet long, and it's got to be four feet high, and as long as they show up on time, and as long as they build the wall that you agreed to, you're more than happy to make the payment. But what do you immediately do if they show up three days late and then only build half the wall? You withhold payment, because they haven't performed expectation, and you're not going to pay up. When you and I enter into happiness-based marriage, when you and I enter into a contractual type relationship, you do what you, I need you to do to make me happy, and then I'll do what you need me to do to make you happy, there will always be a performance deficit. See, there will always be a moment in which we say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to do because you didn't do your part. So he comes home. He comes home one night, he's exhausted out of his mind, he, his head is all blurry from the day, and all he can think about is, I just got to check out, I just got to have some me time. And so he comes in the door, he grunts to his wife, and he heads off to his man cave, and for the next five hours, he plays Xbox. After five hours, the head is cleared, he's all energized again, he comes walking out of the room, he goes, hey, <laughs> guess what I'm thinking? To which she says, are you an idiot? Now you want to connect? Now you want to be real? No, there ain't no way. And he's going, what's wrong? She comes in. She's done a whole day's worth of work. Now she walks in the house. It's a mess. She's over there picking everything up, doing all the work. He's over on TV. And the whole time she's sitting there doing the work, she's sitting there going, what a bum I married. Boy, if he just had one ounce of gratitude, if he was just even a slight bit helpful. Performance-based marriage. And here's where that goes. Suddenly, he says, hey, you won. And she goes, no, there's just no way. I mean, what are you talking about? There's, there's no way. And what do we do? In that moment, we turn just to, because we're saying, hey, I, you didn't fulfill. And so we turn that little bit away. And he goes, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm trying to connect now. What are you talking about? And I just had to get my head cleared. And, and the truth is, I, you know, I tried it last week. And then you went. And, and so, you know, I, I'm not... It's not that much me. And she goes, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, if you hadn't said, because you don't know, when you said those words, they were so hurtful to me. And, and I, that's why I haven't been able to engage. And he goes, well, you realize what you said to me before I said to you what you said to me. And so then he turns. You get where this goes, right? You realize. You realize what divorce court is? Divorce court is couples suing for breach of contract. He did not fulfill my expectations. She did not do what I always hoped a wife would do. And guys, 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 happiness-based marriage is always doomed. What if? What if God did not give you and me marriage to make us happy? What if he was thinking about something totally different? So grab your Bibles, because I, I, think, I think we're going to get some insight. It's Romans chapter 8. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this, this book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. And here, here's what I want to say out loud. I guarantee you, tons of us in this room, you're familiar with this passage. And, and, and before you check it in, out, and I know you've quoted it, 
we're going to take a fresh look at this passage through the context of marriage. And I think if you'll come back with open eyes and an open heart, all of a sudden you'll go, oh my goodness. If that's true, that changes everything in my marriage. Okay? It's Romans chapter 8. It's verse 28. Here's what it says. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And you go, whoa, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Because good equals happy, right? So what that passage is saying, you know, whatever circumstance, no matter how bad the moment is, no matter how dark the clouds, God's always got a silver lining. And somehow he brings that thing around, and at the end you end up happy. Good is not happy. Matter of fact, let's go on and see what God says good is. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Don't get worried about the big words. We're going to unpack those in a minute, okay? For those God foreknew, he also predestined. And ready? Here we go. He's going to tell us what good is. To be conformed to the image of his son. And here's what God said good is. God said anything, whether it's the most painful moment of your life or the best moment of your life, whether it's the worst news you ever got or it's the great promotion, anything that ends up making you look more like Jesus, that's good. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm willing to work through, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to make sure that in the end you look like my son. So let's go back to the passage with that understanding, and we'll fill it in. So back to verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works to make you and me look like Jesus. For those who love him, for those who've been called according to his purpose, for those he foreknew, here's what foreknew simply means. Before you were ever born, before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, God knew you'd be born. And he knew whether or not you would ever become a follower of Jesus Christ. He knew that answer. So before the very beginning of time, he looked forward and saw your decision. And it says, those he foreknew, he predestined. What does predestined mean? It means God decided where your life would ultimately end up. He's saying, you're going to begin a journey. You're going to start walking through your life. But I've already decided where you're going to end up at the end. And here's the answer. You ready? You're going to end up looking a lot more like Jesus than when you started. That's what I predestined you to do. So watch this. So before you were born, I already knew how you were going to live. I knew the moments you were going to follow me. I knew the moments you were going to obey me. And I knew the moments that you were going to get off track and you were going to date that jerk or you were going to tell your mom. I, I knew those moments. And those moments did not surprise me because I foreknew. And so I already planned the circumstances. I already planned the relationship I was going to bring you. I planned the move your family was going to make. I planned the whatever that thing was that was necessary to get you back on track. I planned it. Because in the end, I was going to do whatever I had to do to keep moving you forward so that you would look like my son. Guys, 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 guys. 
If you spend your life in a wrestling match with God, guess who wins? God, every time. The only question between here and there is how much pain you want. Because God said, the best thing that can happen in your life is that you end up looking just like my son. That would be really, really good. Now, isn't it interesting that he says, and we know that all things God uses to work for the good. So let me, let me just throw this out. If God uses everything, if God uses all things in your life to try to form you and help you be more like Jesus, what are the chances that he's not using your spouse? The most important relationship in your life apart from him. If God says, I'm working in everything to make you look more like my son, what are the chances that your spouse is not an absolutely integral key part of God's plan? You said, I've never looked at it that way before. I actually looked at my spouse as being a problem in God's plan. But that's, that's, that's another sermon. That's another sermon. So here's, so here's let's, let's dissect what, he, what he's saying. He's saying, okay, here's God. And, and we'll put him in the clouds because we're not sure what he looks like. But there's God. And God's saying, hey, look, I've, I've got tools. I, I take circumstances. I take whatever are the events of your life. And I am fashioning those. Okay, so for some of you that don't appreciate my autistic ability, uh, that's a hammer and that's a chisel, okay? And then, and then here's you down here. And God says, you may not realize it when all these things are happening, but you realize I actually have my hands on all of these events and all these things that are going on in your life, and my goal is to take you, because you know the truth is you're pretty rough, you got a lot of not looking like Jesus parts of your life. And, and my goal is to chip those away. My goal is to form that until you look just like Jesus. Because, 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 ready, ready, ready? Because that's what would be good for you. And you ready for this? God did not create marriage to make you happy. He created marriage to make you holy. Which means, you ready for this? Your spouse may be God's best tool. And no, 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 no. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're fair. I'm not saying their opinion is the opinion. I'm just saying, if God is saying, I am doing everything to make you look like Jesus, then I have to believe that the most important relationship in your life outside of God is one of his tools. And that you may have exactly the right spouse. See if this helps. You get a young girl. She's a holy terror. I mean, she literally, if her dad says don't, she does. And she is wild like crazy. You know, she's short shorts and little teeth. You know, the whole thing, right? Just, Wah! Okay? And she cannot wait. She cannot wait till she's 18 and can get out of the house. Who does she date? She dates the bad boy at school. I mean, she dates the most hell-raising, wild, crazy guy who hates authority as much as she hates authority. Guess who she ends up marrying? Same guy. Anybody want to know how that guy behaves once he becomes a husband? 
when he doesn't have mom and dad to rail against anymore, guess where he turns all that aggression, all that, guess where it goes? And he becomes the most absolutely strict, stubborn-headed booger bug in the world. You realize what God just did, right? God said to her, hey, uh, you know, I was trying to teach you authority, and I was trying to teach you how to obey and follow with your parents, and you didn't want to do that? So now you want to marry that guy? Okay. I'll just bring you a bigger tool. <laughs> you, you get that your spouse, the one that you're struggling with right now, and may actually be the bigger tool in your life? Don't tell them that. It won't go over well, but... <laughs> You realize God may be using them to teach you lessons that you didn't learn yet. And so God said, okay, we'll just turn up the heat. We'll just make this a little bit harder for you. Which means, think about this, that even though they're wrong and even though they're, what they're saying, I'm I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing about why did God let the friction happen. That they may actually be the tool in God's life to say, here's the lesson you haven't learned yet. And that as you resist them, you're actually resisting So I, this is going to be a hard story for you to believe. You're, all of you that know me really well and know that I am just filled to the brim with mercy and compassion and that it just oozes out of my pores and... The truth, I mean, I am so type A and just so driven and focused. And I got to be honest with you, I mean, showed up in my parenting, and God gave me an incredible son, very tender hearted uh, young man. But there, there would be moments, there'd be moments when Josh would do something for the 23rd time. And, and I, I, the veins would pop, and I'd go after Josh, and I. Just say, Josh, come on. We have talked and we have talked and we, I mean, this is 23 times. And either your cranium is so dense that information can't get in, or you're just willingly disobeying. I don't get it. And afterwards, my wife would come find me and she'd say, Lynn, you realize you got a son in the other room who's wounded right now. And I go, I don't care if he's wounded. I'm not raising a boy, I'm raising a man. (laughs) And she'd say, Lynn, it's possible to be right and be wrong. And the truth is, everything you said is true. It's 23 times. But the way you said it, the way you said it was not very Christ-like. It didn't look a whole lot like Jesus. And, and of course, being the guy that I, I, I immediately said, oh, you know, you're right. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I did exactly, you know, what? he deserved it. He was 98% wrong. Here's what occurred to me in the moment. My wife has nothing to gain by telling me that. See, the, really, the truth is, the thing she could do is walk into Joshua's room and go, hey, your dad is an idiot. If she did that, she'd get all sorts of, Joshua go, you're right. She'd go up at a thousand points in stock with him. 
She's risking her immediate relationship with me by telling me stuff I don't want to hear. And here's what I realized. The only reason my wife is saying this to me is not because she's trying to fix me, and it's not because she's trying to gain her own personal happiness. She's telling me this so that I'll be more like Jesus. And so I'd get up and I'd walk over into Josh's room and I'd say, look, son, um, I just got to be honest. I, I still believe the things I said. I'm still, I gotta be, I'm still frustrated that you're struggling to learn this. But I also know, man, I did not do that well. And, and my anger came spilling out and I was not very godly. And I just, I want you to forgive me. You want to hear something pretty incredible? I, I knew I was doing this sermon, and so I went to my son. I said, Josh, hey, uh, I, I know I, there were times I was really hard on you, and I came after you. And What's one of them you remember? What's one of those moments you just go, man, dad lost it, and dad just, you know, really came after me? And He says, you know, dad, I, I don't remember a single time. I said, would you tell your mom that? And I said, no, Josh, I mean, I, I remember. I mean, I, your mom sent me to you dozens of times. So what's one of the times? He says, Dad, I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I don't, I don't remember a single time. You get what just happened. My wife speaking into me, not to fix me, not to make herself happy, but to make me more holy afforded me the opportunity to walk down a hall and have a healing conversation with my son that to this day he doesn't even remember what an idiot I am. How cool is that? What if, what if marriage is not about happiness? What if it's about holiness? And what if your spouse is God's best tool? And guys, I just want to say this real clearly again. This isn't about fixing them, and this isn't about chiseling them away so you are happy. This is about being an instrument in the hands of God to help them be holy. So let's, let's talk about how this works. Let's talk about a better plan. Here's what we do. We're in a relationship, and we tend to focus on all the things that are wrong. There's not enough sex. She's very critical. Uh, I wish we'd spend more time. We, we, we get all caught up in trying to fix this part of our spouse, which then uh, basically puts us in an absolutely competitive relationship. We're adversaries in that moment. What if? What if instead we decided to join God in his plan. And what, what if he said, instead of trying to fix my wife, instead of trying to win this argument, I'm going to spend my focus, because you can only focus on one thing at a time, and I'm going to change my focus and say, God, what is it you're doing in my life, and I want to grow closer to you. I want to become more Christ-like in this moment. And just maybe, maybe, maybe even the things that my wife is pushing in on are, are warning bells to alert me to things in my life that I need to work on. Maybe, maybe not. But God, my focus is going to be becoming more Christ-like. And guys, what if, what if in the same moment 
she made the same decision. What if she said, hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm done being adversarial with my husband. I'm done trying to fix him for my own happiness. And instead, what I'm going to focus on is becoming the wife God created me to be. I'm going to be more Christ-like, and I want to live this moment exactly like Jesus would live, whatever this tension is. And we work on getting closer to God. You want to hear something really, really cool? When two people do that in a marriage and their focus becomes getting closer to God, look how much closer they get to each other. Which is a powerful cement in a relationship. You want to hear something else really, really cool? This stuff, all these things you and I were so consumed and worried about with our spouse, those things start taking care of themselves when you become Christ-like, because you know how the conversation changes? Hey, you know, I really was concerned about that, and that's what I was hoping you would do, but you know what? I've just come to a point that even if, even if we never get there, I, I'm okay. I, I can let that be all right. And then all of a sudden they're saying, well, no, no, I mean, if it's that big a deal, I mean, I, I want to do that for you, because I mean, that's what Jesus would do, right? And if I'm going to be Christ-like, and you realize that all of these things start settling not because we concentrate on, because we concentrated on being holy. You want to hear the last really cool part? <laughs> Although it's not the purpose, it's amazing as you get closer to God how all of a sudden you get happy. It can't be the reason you do it, but often it's the byproduct. So here's the challenge. Here's what we're going to ask you to do for 60 days. So if you look in your seat back right in front of you, uh, there is a challenge card. If you will pull that challenge card out, you'll see it. It says challenge number two on it. And here's what it says. Starting this week, do daily devotions together as a couple. Ah! Oh. Some of you are going, I, are you, I, I have never done devotions with my spouse. Noted. Noted. Let me tell you why I'm asking you to do this. Because I'm asking you to join with your spouse, not in fixing one another, but in growing toward Jesus. That for the remainder of the challenge, that you join your spouse in moving your relationship with God that direction and see what happens to your relationship with each other. So I'm going to ask you for 60 days, for the remainder of the 60 days, to do devotions with one another. And look, I, I, I get it. I get it. This could take like 15 minutes. And I know, I know that's going to totally crimp your Facebook stuff. I get it. I get it. You may have to watch a few minutes less of SportsCenter. I get it. I'm asking you to take the challenge. Okay? So here, here's what it involves. If you will go... Uh, to any uh, place where you get apps, you can get the Cornerstone app, and you get there by typing in Cornerstone Church AZ, and there will be the Cornerstone app. It's free, okay? It's free, and every single day the new devotional will come up, okay? Cornerstone Church AZ. The other way you can get it, if you've, like, got a 1973 phone and you don't do apps, uh, you can go on the Internet, and on our website are every single day's devotional. Look, here's the deal. They're short. I mean, they're like four or five minutes long. So today you read it, then tomorrow she reads it. You, you, do, you, you take turns. You read it out loud. It's four or five minutes, okay, every single day. So you're going to get up 15 minutes early. You're going to go to bed 15 minutes quick. Whatever that is, 15 minutes. 
You do the devotion, then here's the other part of it. You ready? I want you to pray for each other. I want you to take a moment and husbands, you're going to pray for your wife and wives, you're going to pray for your husband. Look, 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 it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It can be one sentence. Dear God, help my wife to be like Jesus, please. It's okay. It's a prayer, right? It's a prayer. And it's okay. I'm not, I'm simply asking you to pray out loud and in front of for your spouse. Let me tell you why. It's really, really hard to be angry with someone you're praying for. It's really, really hard to be the antagonist to someone you're lifting up to the Lord. That simple action, that simple gesture has the capacity to bring all sorts of healing to your relationship. And so I'm gonna ask you every day, even if it's just a sentence, to pray. I cannot tell you how honoring prayer is. Men, when you start to pray over your wife, she will feel honor from you. Wives, as you lift up your husband, he will feel deeply and profoundly respected by you. And so we're going to do that together. Interesting stat. They did a real study, a real study of couples who prayed together and for each other every day. Anybody want to guess what the divorce rate is among couples who pray for each other and with each other each day? Anyone want to guess? One-tenth of one percent. That alone ought to give you and me a hint of how powerful it is to get out of a marriage for happiness sake and to get into one for holiness sake. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I just simply come to you in the moment, and God, I, I, we're just going to say it out loud. This is terrifying. Some of us, some of us thought we'd almost gotten our spouses fixed, and now we're shifting gears. Some of us, the only reason we got married was so that our spouse could make us happy, and now you're asking us to release that idea and to trust you for something bigger and better in my marriage. So God, here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking that you make it make sense to us. I'm not asking that, that we even understand it. I'm asking for courage and faith. Would you give us the ability over the next few weeks to commit ourselves not to fixing our spouse, but to lifting our spouse? That we would focus our eyes on becoming the person, the husband, the wife, that we ought to be, that we become more Christ-like for 60 days and see what would happen in our marriages. Trust you for what would happen in our marriages if we simply did that. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's what I want to say as we get ready to go. Some of you, I just messed up your world. Some of you are sitting here right now going, man, I, I have made such a mess of this and I have caused so much pain trying to fix my spouse and make myself happy. And I, I just need some prayer. I need to talk to somebody about this. I need someone to point me in the right direction. And I just need to know we've got people who will be here at the front. They'll meet with you. They'd be thrilled to pray with you and give you some places to head and go. For the rest of us, I challenge you, I challenge you, I challenge you to do this challenge. Especially those of you that are sitting here right now going, I can't wait to get out of here because I'm not going to do it. 
you're the one who most likely needs to do it. And I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you to man up. I'm going to ask you to woman up and do it for the remainder of the challenge and see what God would do with your marriage. And God bless you as you go.